Welcome. This is jazz just the way we like it. My name is Alfonso Severos, and this is my weekly jazz podcast recorded live at Brick Arts in downtown Brooklyn, the People's Republic of Brooklyn. We play those classic jazz songs of the 1950s, the 1960s, and the 1970s. Those songs I listened to as a young man, and here I am again playing them, and this time for your pleasure. And also to introduce a younger generation to that fabulous original American art form known as jazz. We also discuss politics and social issues in this podcast. I'm in the studio with my longtime friend, 60 plus years, Lawrence Williams. Hey, Larry, what's up, good brother? What's happening, Fonz? How are you, man? I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Good, good, good to hear that. Yeah, man. Summer's moving fast, brother. Oh Summer's moving God, fast. It is moving too fast for me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Looks like stuff is catching up to Mr. 45. Yeah, it looks that way. Um, four, I don't know. I just indictments. And you got Georgia coming around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's going to be a... Uh, it's going to be a show, to, be, to say the least. He doesn't seem to be uh, upset about it at all. Oh no, he's gonna he's gonna play try to play it one way or another, but uh, it really has nothing to do with the way he feels about it. So you know, well, we'll see, folks. We'll yeah, see. We'll, we'll definitely see. I I don't yeah. know. <clears throat> I think that they have a good case, but. Otherwise, they wouldn't have taken they wouldn't have taken them on like the way that they did. There are yeah, all the cases are, are good. Thing of it is, is, is man, if 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 the whole world's watching, and and if uh, if this guy gets elected and pardoned himself, this idea of American democracy becomes a global joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it uh, it just becomes a joke. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna move on. We'll we'll get to Mr. Trump on one of these podcasts, but not today. He's just not that damn important. All right, you know we always start the podcast out with a song that addresses issues of social justice. Here's an artist, man, that I just recently found about found out about Charles Pierce. And this guy is like a combination between Bob Dylan. And um, Richie Havens. And this song, oh man, this song is fabulous. So sit back and uh, listen to Charles Pierce on a song called American Silence, our song on social justice. Will you rise up when your comfort is in jeopardy? Will you resist justifying the complexities? Is simplicity convenient in your quest to pacify? When you look in the mirror, can you see your own disguise? Can we sing a song for you? Will music move your heart and mind? Will our song arrest you? American silence is a crime. 
see the music move you as you lay your burden down. We feel the music grip you as your heart is soaked in sound. And when the song is over, if you decide to clap aloud, will your applause mean anything with stitches on your mouth? Can we sing a song for you? Will music move your heart and mind? Will our song arrest you? American silence is a crime. We sing for the freedom. We fight for all it's worth. We sing for humanity so we can all walk the earth. We sing with honor to live to sing another song. We sing through the pain and we keep on marching on. Can we sing a song for you? Oh, will music move your heart and mind? Will our song arrest you? American silence American silence American silence is a crime American silence by Charles Pierce man this guy is fabulous uh, just reminds me so much of um, a mixture of Dylan and uh, uh, Richie Havens, man, and this is a really interesting song, Larry. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Has uh, that uh, folksy type of sounds, um, and wow, I think somebody was saying something about silence the other day that I uh, uh, I went to a movie. Uh, called uh, Bobby Wine, the People's President, who was at the uh, yeah. IFC Center. Yeah, I'm familiar with it. And uh, it was uh, it was it opened my eyes to a lot of different things. So, and one of the things that the Heaths, Bobby Wine wanted to do was to get the, the people in the in the USA aware of what was what their money was spent for. We spent like a billion dollars uh, for Uganda. We sent over a billion dollars to Uganda and it's not being used for the right purposes. It's used to keep uh, Museveni in, in power. And it's funny, like his name Museveni, like Mussolini. <laughs> and he's exact authoritarian type of guy. So that was kind of funny. That was good. It was worthwhile seeing. All right. Yeah. Maybe we'll, we'll have uh, one of the shows. We'll talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about another African country. And it just so happens, it happens to be one of my favorite African countries. And most people will be surprised by this because it's Rwanda. And everyone associates Rwanda with the 19... 
94 genocide. But what? no one talks about what happened after the genocide. Rwanda is bordered by a number of African countries, Uganda, Tanzania, Democratic Republic of the Congo. It has a high elevation, a lot of mountains. They call it the land of a thousand hills. The geography. Uh, it's governed by one president since uh, 94 and the same guy since 2000. So he, they sort of run it with a strong hand, but a fair hand. Uh, it has a centralized government. Population is young. Rwanda population is the youngest of any country in the world. The majority of people are 25 and under. Uh, and they basically have three different ethnic groups. The Tutsi, Hutu, and Twa, T-W-A. The Twa is the forest people. They used to be called the pygmies. Oh, it, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Rwanda was, is, is, uh, was, was occupied by Germany mainly, the colonial state, but Belgium was in there too. And they played the politics of politics. They played one ethnic group against the other. They set it up. Uh, so in, so uh, Rwanda currently has an economy that, you know, they don't have rich resources. It's mainly rural, a lot of agricultural. It's main, 20% of its uh, GDP is from exporting coffee and tea. And the other part they built up is tourism. Now, this is after the, the genocide. Let me talk a little bit about the genocide. Genes in 1990, the Patriotic Front, a group composed of Tutsis refugees, invaded Rwanda. They were upset because they thought the, uh, the, the Hutu was dominating, and they were the government, unfairly and not including Tutsis. Uh, and a confrontation started, and it was like back and forth, back and forth. Neither side won. By 92, it was like a steelmate, 1992. Then in 1994, they sort of reached a, a ceasefire, but there was all this ethnic energy and conflict. And then the president's plane was shot down, and that was the catalyst that started the Rwanda genocide. 1994, folks. It was a genocide, and like, an estimated one million people were killed. And they were Tutsis, or, and politically moderate Hutus. So it was massive. Uh, eventually, I think it lasted 100 days. So to kill a, a million people in a hundred days, boy, you got a pretty high kill rate per day. Eventually, it, things calmed down, and the Tutsis re, uh, restarted their offense and sort of gained the country back. So what did they do? How did they come back from that? Massive. And this was neighbor against neighbor. This was not a foreign invader. The Hutus and Tutsis were the indigenous people to Rwanda. 
the main tribes. Somehow, the fighting started, stopped, and they put in a system of healing. Amazing, amazing. They had their own reconciliation system that was based on a system that was being used historically in Rwanda of local government in rural areas. Every little village and tribe had a government uh, system. And so they used that to heal. And this reconciliation had to do with using this. And so people... Most of the people were average people who committed these crimes, murder, rape, things of this nature. They had to go before these local boards in the village that they committed these crimes, confessed it, and then they were set up to some kind of punishment. Uh, a lot of forgiving occurred. Uh, <coughs> you had, at that time, man, uh, a million people and thousands of Hutus left the country. So you had this mass migration, you had this mass killing, and they were trying to heal. The economy f just f dropped to zero. The country was in a wreck. So they started with a strong central government. And they still have a very strong central government. And they put in place a government that had like a, a House of Representatives with 80 members. Each one has to, uh, 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 five year terms. 24 of the seats were reserved for youth and disabled. That's amazing. 49 seats reserved for women. Uganda has more women in government in any country and especially any African country. So in its other legislative body like the Senate which is 26 seats 30% are reserved for women and they serve an eight year term. So they started on this rebuilding and it began with this reconciliation and it began since it was such a young population Education. So now Yonder has free education all the way up to the 12th grade. Uh, for a poor African country, and they're not that poor anymore. They rank, rank around 35, 36 in the world in terms of GDP. Um, and they, they basically have coffee and tea and then tourism. They built this tourist economy. You got to understand the tourist economy is around, is around people going to see the gorillas and the lions. And the lions were practically wiped out during the genocide period because people killed them because they left the cities to hide in the bush. Uh, but they brought that population back and they put in a system to grow the gorillas and that's become an important part of their economy. Uh, and the rest is, is agriculture. You know, that raises some issues. Uh... But climate change, the, if you're dependent on agriculture, there's a possibility of a big question mark. So you have this country that is now young people, majority of population under 25. They raised their life expectancy. 
It's now 5560. Uh, where it was like in the low 40s prior to the genocide. They have this mandatory education, free public education. And they're really rebuilding this economy. Uh, and I, I am a supporter of, of what they're doing, considering where they came from. And there's no violence. It's one of the safest countries. It is one of the safest countries in Africa. And it's also one of the cleanest. They have a system with all able citizens once a month go out and clean the streets. And if you see pictures and stuff of, of uh, Rwanda, the capital, there's no garbage. Uh, so it's a, it's a, so far, an amazing African story. Larry? Yeah, that, that's uh, tremendous. Um, uh, you know, I just feel like when they, when that genocide was going on, nobody who was in the opposition or whether or not you sympathize, and people who sympathized, who were of the same tribe, were also killed. Either yeah. You killed them. Yeah. Well, we killed yeah. you. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it was. It was like, and you know, a million people that that died. Uh, I forget who was in charge at the time, who allowed that to happen. But I, I, it's. I'm curious as to how were they able to come to some type of peaceful solution. They they put in place all these things. It was a major uh, who to ex. Uh, population that left the country because they felt there would be ret a retaliation and it didn't happen and uh, and the government made an effort so now in the schools they reinforce all with all of the, the students you're not Tutu you're not Hutu you're yeah. Rwandan yeah. so they, they're, they're working on switching the identity the national identity right. from a tribal to a national identity, and right. this is working. Right, right. And and so that has filtered down into the whole country. They have this whole idea: we're all in this to build Rwanda. Right. And right. it was this strong central government, and a lot of African countries say, "Well, you know, he rules with a strong hand. He doesn't allow opposition. It's a single party." But sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah, to, to start to, to rebuild a country. Yeah. You know, um, and and it works. It works. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll see. They're they're definitely on on a, a path of development, and it's one of the fastest growing economies in Africa. Yeah, it's. Um, there was a uh, group of girls from, um, from Afghanistan that came there, yeah. and they were so welcome that they felt. You know, and these girls came there because they were uh, they were learning. They were going to school, and and the, the Afghans didn't want that to happen. They the were, Taliban, their lives were the in Taliban banned women going to school. Yeah, yeah. So they they uh, their their lives were in danger. You know, so it yeah, was, it was a nice thing that we wanted took them in and welcomed them. Yeah, and they they what they've done with the gorillas. And the gorilla sanctuary up in the mountains, 
man, people come from all over the world. Yeah, that's that, a, that, uh, that lady that used to be out there with them, I forget her name. Um, Jane something. Oh, yeah, she's, she's, she's been gone. She, she loves yeah. them. I mean, yeah. she is like, yeah. but she's, she knows how to, how to deal with them. But now the Iranians do this themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, they, I, that part I see. I, yeah, they have put together a system that works. All right, man. Uh, it's a, the stories are being told with Africa always the negative. And the point is there is some positive stuff that people need to look at and consider. And sometimes maybe you, people who, who African-Americans who travel to Africa and visit usually the, the Ghanas and Nigerias, the Senegal, the main countries that African-Americans go to, they should consider Rwanda because uh, it's, a, it's a growing country. Okay, Larry, let's get to some jazz. Sounds like a thing. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about two uh, main plays in the bebop era. Uh, two, two fabulous jazz musicians. We're going to play some music from each one. Cannonball Adley and Lee Morgan. Uh, start out with Cannonball Adley. He was born in 1928. Unfortunately, he died in 1975. He was an American jazz saxophone player of the hard bop, bebop era of the 50s and 60s. He recorded a lot with his brother, uh, Nat Adley. Uh, so here's a piece, folks. We're going to start out with a piece from Cannonball Adley called The Work Song. So uh, sit back and enjoy. Thank you. 
song uh, with Cannonball Adley on alto sax, uh, Nat Adley on cornet, uh, Lou Hayes on drums, Sam Jones on bass, and Joe Zabano on the piano. Hi, Larry, how'd you like that piece? That was really good. Uh, I didn't realize that was Joe Zabano. I'm so used to hearing him play like the mode synthesizer. Uh, I forgot that he's a keyboard. He played his keyboard as well. I mean, he plays piano as well. Uh, that was really good. <clears throat> and, um, you know, Nat is, Nat is really a, 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 that cornet, he really plays the hell out of it. And I, I really enjoyed that. Okay. Yeah, uh, Cannonball Adley, folks. Uh, interesting because uh, one of the few examples where uh, two brothers played together quite frequently belong to the same group. That was Cannonball and his brother, Nat Adley. All right. So we're featuring uh, two uh, predominantly bebop artists, jazz artists of the 50s and 60s. Cannonball Adley, you just heard the work song. And the second one is Lee Morgan. Lee Morgan. Morgan was born in 1938, but he died in 1972. He was an American jazz trumpeter and composer. He was one of the key hard bop musicians of the 60s. Morgan came to prominence. This is interesting, folks, because he became popular as a teen with the recording of John Coltrane, Blue Train, because he was on that album in 1957. And he went on to play with Art Blakely in the 50s. And he produced his first big album called The Sidewinder. Uh, and that, uh, that recording found him touching on the other side of music, such as post-bop, avant jazz. And it was really artistically mature. And it was a commercial success. Uh, here's Lee Morgan Sidewinder uh, I remember this album man. <laughs> yeah Thank you. 
Thank you. 
That's Lee Morgan, Sidewinder, recorded in 1963 with Lee Morgan on trumpet, Joe Henderson on tenor sax, Billy Higgins on drums, Barry Harris on the piano, and Bob Crenshaw on the bass. Um, Lee Morgan was playing with Blakely, and then he left the group for a while, and that's when he recorded Sidewinder which was his biggest commercial success. And most folks, uh, when they think of Lee Morgan, uh, associate him with this. But he also played on so many other Blue Note labels uh, songs with artists, including Wayne Shorter, Hank Mobley, you name them. He played with them. Now, he got on the scene as a teenager, maybe 19, 18, 19, which means... But he was dead by the age of 33. He was killed by his common-law wife, Helen Morgan, who shot and killed him in a New York City jazz club. So his, his professional musical career as a jazz musician only lasted maybe 15 years. Uh, just imagine what he could have been if he was able to keep going. Yeah, you mentioned the fact that it was, that was this album was a commercial recess, uh, success. Not only that, this this particular song was on a Dodge commercial back in the seventies. Oh, okay. Sidewinder was a, a song. I think there was a legal battle on uh, over it because I think they just took it without without his permission. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's what happened with it. But that particular this particular. Uh, the Sidewinder is like I I've always loved that. It's always when I see that when I see the album, it just brings a smile to my face. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was pop, it was a popular album, man. Yeah. It was like rec- in the you know early seventies, late sixties. Rec- you know, record stores uh, used to play it with the speakers outside. Uh, people played it in their house. Yeah, not only folks who were jazz fiends, but people who... The, the thing about Lee Morgan, some of his records, and at least, but especially Sidewinder, and some of that Adley stuff, it had a beat to it, man. You yeah. could almost dance. You could yeah. rock to it. Yep, yep. So, uh, uh, this was fabulous stuff. So, we're, we're featuring uh, Cannonball Adley and uh, Lee Morgan, and you heard... Uh, just heard Sidewinders by Lee Morgan. Now let's let's switch over to a piece by Cannonball Adley that was done in 1959, and it's called uh, Autumn Leaves. And we're gonna slow it down some. Uh, this has Miles Davis on it <laughs> playing trumpet, uh, Sam Jones on the bass, and Art Blakely on the drums. And Hank Jones on the piano, Cannonball Adley, Autumn Leaves. So sit back and enjoy. Thank you. 
Yes. That was yeah. really great. Yeah, Were man. You that that, that was uh, taking me out there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I went out there for a minute. Yeah, that was, uh, man. Uh, it goes to show you, man, Cannonball has that soft touch. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's what I like about that piece. Yeah. Really yeah. a soft, mellow piece and miles in there, you know. That was really, I mean, Miles was really mellow there as well. Yeah, and Bla mellow. Blake, Blake D. kept a nice, yeah, soft tone. Uh, okay, folks, that was uh, Cannonball Adley uh, on a piece called Autumn Leaves with Miles Davis. Here's a piece from uh, Lee Morgan called Tomcat. Sit back and enjoy this. Thank you. 
That's Lee Morgan, 
Tomcat, recorded in 1979, man. It's with Lee Morgan on trumpet. Jackie McLean on alto saxophone. Curtis Fuller on the trombone. McCoy Tyner on piano. Bob Crenshaw on bass. And Art Blakely on the drums, man. I like this piece because they have some fabulous solos. Man, I didn't realize that, that, that all those great players were on there. Uh, McCoy, of course, and uh, Curtis Fuller, trombone player, great trombone player. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I didn't know that he had played with uh, <coughs> part of tra- um, Train's crew, um, like McCoy. I didn't know he played with McCoy at some point. But yeah. this is a good good piece. This is good arrangement. Yeah. A lot of the... Um the uh, Blue Note musicians, you know, also performed, not only did their own thing, but performed on other folks' al- albums, uh, especially Lee Morgan. He played all over. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Cannonball did too. All right, man. Larry, it's getting to be that time, brother. All right. You know, we uh, folks, we were trying to play a little bit of some great bebop musicians and Lee Morgan and Cannonball Adley and we played a few pieces by both. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we definitely enjoyed playing it for you. Uh, Larry, man, as always, brother, thank you. Thank you, Al. Yeah. Boy, man, time goes by so fast. Yeah, man. Yeah. So we're going to go out, folks. Uh, not on Moody's mood for love, but, uh, because we got to play this. You can't talk about Cannonball Adley without playing his most popular song. Uh, so we're going to go out on Mercy, Mercy, <laughs> Mercy. Yes, indeed. And so, folks, until the next time, peace and love. You know, sometimes we're not prepared for adversity. When it happens, sometimes we're caught short. We don't know exactly how to handle it when it comes up. Sometimes we don't know just what to do when adversity takes over. <laughs> and uh, I have advice for all of us. I got it from our pianist, Joe Zavinu, who wrote this tune. And it sounds like what you're supposed to say when you have that kind of problem. It's called mercy, mercy. Mercy.
Bye.